1: Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello,
2: happy Tuesday, gang, and welcome to another Andy Goldstein TalkSport Daily podcast. In fact, if you listen to this quite a lot, you're probably now Goldsteinette. So well done, all you Goldsteinets out there. Anyway. We begin with Everton, who have now gone level with rivals Liverpool on 43 points. Hold on, that can't be right. Liverpool the champions. Hold on. Is that the league table? Oh, it's upside down. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, Everton beat Southampton in the Premier League. This was the fallout on my show, Andy Goldstein, Sports by Monday to Thursday from 10 pm. Yeah, I know it's a long time. I'm trying to get him to change it to the Goldstein show, or just Goldstein. In fact, I'm trying to get him to change Talk Sport to Talk Goldstein, but no one's listening. Anyway, here's what am on last
3: night's show. Sigurdsson turned the loose ball toward Richarlison and the Brazilian took it past the keeper, Foster and hit the ball into the back
2: of the net. It's finished here. Everton 1, Southampton 0.
0: These three points are really important because put out after the, the good performance against Liverpool, we were able to replace. We didn't concede a goal. We are in a good position to fight for uh, the European position. That is what uh, we wanted from this game. Has anyone seen Ralph Hasenhutters? Mm.
3: Today uh, we subbed in three academy players. Uh, there were only academy players on the
2: bench. Um, we know what we are, the situation we are in. But uh, yeah, uh, the rest you don't
1: have to ask me.
0: Just quickly, um, there was Bojo has, gone, has said that we can f- host the Euros coming up this uh, this summer. Is that is that a story, or does it break a bit late?
1: It's broken a bit late, I think, for the back pages, but um, right. it has been mooted already, right. um, the prospect. Because, of course, you've got this the, the, the laughable notion, which I think is silly to begin with, of 12 different countries, yeah, yeah. Um, which was pre-COVID, um, but now with COVID sort of still an issue. UEFA keeps saying, no, it, that that's still the plan A, but one does wonder whether sort of reality means that he's going to have to be reduced and given England are hosting so many of the, of the games anyway Wembley Cook's hosting seven games yeah let's bring it, bring it to a Euro 96 yeah, we love it
2: now the performance of referees once again was the centre of attention in the Premier League over the madness around Lee Mason his whistle and Brighton's disallowed goal against West Brom Danny Murphy was flabbergasted with the decision. Ali McCoy, Kate Price's ex-husband, Simon Jordan, and Baggy's boss, Big Sam Allardyce, also had their say. And, don't you know, the Times' chief sports reporter, oh, look at me, I'm the Times' chief sports reporter, Henry Winter, Mm, sorry, Henry, suggested that referees should speak to the media after games, but that's never going to happen. Anyway, we start with the former PGMOL chief, or Pig Mole, as I like to call him, Keith Hackett, discussing Mason's performance on Saturday.
4: I really do think that Lee Mason should hang up his whistle because he's having an awful run. He didn't follow the procedure. We we have a protocol. What we say is this. We award a free kick outside the penalty area. Yep. In that situation, the referee runs up towards the ball. As he's running up, the, the players can take a quick free kick. But once mm-hmm. it becomes set-piece, which is, is then the referee standing over the ball, he's got to ensure the wall is back 9.15. Yep. He's got to ensure, of mm-hmm. course... Attackers are not in that wall. He's then comfortable that everybody's ready
3: and then he gives a signal.
4: He's given the goal now. After initially refusing the goal, he's actually said no and now he's given it. He makes a complete howler of it. I mean, a complete and utter mess for a Premier League referee because this wouldn't happen, Paul. Paul in the local parks. It's contemptible. That's a goal. The referee controls the game. His his whistle controls the game. But when he blows his whistle, that means everybody's ready. And that's the choice the referee's made. So the referee cannot now then say, I've blown my whistle, the goal's gone in the back of the net, I blow it one millisecond before it crosses the line, I'm out of jail. It's outrageous. He actually blew the whistle. Then he had
3: that panicky moment where he's gone, oh no, the keeper's still on his post, whatever he saw, and he's blown it again. Furthermore, he's then gone and give the goal. Then they've taken it away. It was absolute chaos. And I completely understand Brighton and Lewis Dunk's frustration. I would be fuming. Well,
4: Sam Allardyce, after Lee Mason came over, had his hands on his head. But he's actually got a result here because (laughs) the goal hasn't been given. So I'm not even sure after the conversation with Lee Mason, Sam knew what was going
0: on. It all stems around not just the controversial goal for me that was disallowed, but also for me, having reviewed the... The penalty situation was there uh, was two against us, which everybody seems to forget.
4: But the VAR decision has been awarded to Brighton Hove Albion. This could be a huge moment for them now. He stutters and he's hit the crossbar. Can you believe that?
0: If you're telling me Hudson-Odoi wasn't a penalty, you two lads, then okay's penalty was not a penalty on Saturday. So where is the confusion and where is the consistency? Do you know what's happening?
4: It's just because of cameras everywhere, camera angles everywhere, referees who would make mistakes like the rest of us are now getting pulled up because we're looking at it saying, how can you make that decision? The VAR that is there to help them is killing them. It is actually putting more pressure on the refs, isn't it? Because they're actually worried about how they're going to be judged. So they they take the option to go over to the screen and now he's in double trouble because he's made two errors and now he's got to rescind it again.
2: We're in a situation now where referees are caught in the middle of so much confusion and so much anger
3: and so much criticism that they're second guessing themselves constantly. Referees need to come out and talk afterwards, not necessarily to sort of the hound dogs of like people like me in the, in the press, but just actually explain to us, if it's a Sky game, just explain exactly the thought process behind that decision or, I mean, you mentioned rugby earlier and, and cricket too, the referees the, the umpires, whoever, uh, mic'd and you can actually hear their thought process mm-hmm. and to be honest, VAI is a pretty poor experience if you're in the ground for, for, for players, for supporters,
0: probably
4: for viewers as well
3: Listen, once we've given a decision, stand up Actually, it might sort of enhance the experience rather than leaving the people who matter most, the players and the supporters, in the dark
2: now, why do Manchester United keep drawing nil-nil in the big games? And is Bruno Fernandes all that? Yes, of course he is. Who who can doubt Bruno Fernandes? Ah, uh, we're going to listen to Adrian Durham on Drive. OK, I get it.
4: Put into the net quite beautifully by Bruno Fernandes to give Manchester United the lead. There's questions about Bruno Fernandes against bigger clubs because he simply doesn't do it. Now, he's done some brilliant things and his goal tally is phenomenal, his assists and all that. But against the bigger clubs, Man United don't score, which means Bruno isn't turning up because he makes goals happen. Whether he scores them or makes them, he makes goals happen. And they just do not score against those big sides, Manchester United. You could look at the striker situation. Cavani was out, of course. Oh. Think, is Martial good enough? Greenwood played there yesterday. Is he good enough? Is he old enough? And all that. We've seen Pep Guardiola function his team functioned perfectly without a goal scorer, without an orthodox striker. So is Olegun Gunnar Solskjaer, has he got that capability? The second best team in the country, apparently. Have they got the capability of functioning without a proper goal scorer in the team? Because City can do it. They can do it virtually blindfold.
0: You have to go right back to the 1920s, uh, since both of these fixtures uh, were goalless, because, of course, that was the score back at Old Trafford in October.
4: Solskjaer has, has been there two years. He took the decision to let Lukaku go, and they still haven't replaced those goals. So Now, home to Chelsea, they drew nil-nil. That was Frank Lampard's Chelsea when others were working out Lampard's weaknesses. And away to Chelsea, Tuchel's Chelsea, he still hadn't worked out how to score. If you're going to make up 12 points against Manchester City, it's no good just saying, oh, well, they're they're just better than us. You've got to work out how to close that gap. Man United haven't worked that out. Being second for Man United should not be a badge of honour. Yeah, Danny
2: Murphy has said he's happy but Tottenham's Gareth Bale has proved him wrong and Harry Kane must leave Spurs now or never. A bit like the Elvis song. Play the song. We haven't got the rights. Okay, fine. Forget the song. Anyway, we'll also hear from Ray Parler, but first this is Jamie O'Hara, claiming Spurs must now focus their season on winning the Emmerdale Cup, sorry, the Europa League.
4: I think they can win it. I genuinely do. If they play like they're all of a sudden they're playing and all of a sudden you've got Gareth Bale who's firing in all cylinders, you've got Kane, you've got Son, Deli Alli who's going to be fresh for Europa League games, then of course they're they're, going to cause so many problems. And I I think now it's just about keeping Bale fit at 100% and hungry and picking and choosing that 11 at the right moment. Because apart from Deli Alli who I think deserves to start, in the Premier League I think that 11 yesterday for Spurs is their best team
3: And Kane finishes with his right foot and Tottenham lead
2: and Harry Kane back in the side
3: back among the goal It looks like to me that this summer is the last opportunity to get that big move I mean never say never in football because clubs become desperate and a year later they might take a risk because they've got lots of money a club like Man City
1: it's no, never
3: I think it's now or never for him in terms of winning trophies, competing at the top level for the next three or four years. A man of Harry Kane's talents wants to be winning Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues, doesn't he? Or whatever league he's in, whether it's you know, La Liga, even, which looks unlikely with the financial. The problem he's got is that with the pandemic and the effect it's had on certain clubs more than others, will they want to risk an outlay of 100 million plus and his wages? Compared to going for a, a Harland of this world,
0: and you'll never guess which man has popped up to get it. Less than ninety seconds on the clock, he's back in the starting lineup in the Premier League. It's Gareth Bale for Tottenham. I
3: think uh, the West Ham game and yesterday's was was great to see. But I was also in the camp where it looked like his best days were numbered and his athleticism and his sharpness wasn't going to be the same. Those two performances have, have stepped him up another level where, where I didn't think he could go. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be proven wrong and I'd love to see him carry on this form. But seeing Gareth Bale with a smile on his face scoring goals is what all football fans love to watch. He's, a, he's, he's poetry in motion when he's playing at his best. What a great lift for! I've seen some wonderful goals over the years. The one at Upton Park he scored just before he went to Real Madrid. You know, once he gets and connects with that left foot issues using the back of the net or the keepers got to make a great save to, to keep it out and yeah he showed that he is a top quality um but you want to, you need to see it on week in week out now
2: now the british horse racing authority will not allow gordon elliot to race horses in britain while irish authorities investigate controversial pictures of him elliot has apologized after images showed him sat on a dead horse on TalkSport 2, racing journalist Emmett Kennedy condemned the actions of the former Grand National winning trainer. This image is not taken out of context. This image is horrific and, and it makes me sick to my stomach. And uh, it's quite difficult not to talk about it without getting emotional mm. because of my love of horses and quite frankly, my love of Gordon Elliott trained horses. Cause of causes, he trained to win three times at the Cheltenham Festival. Sits, the montage sits in my studio. That i'm talking to you in right now you know i've i've met gordon i've i've spoken with him i've worked with him there was never any indication that anything like this would go on but there is zero excuse for what he's done there is zero excuse for for if it was a member of his staff that member of staff would be would be fired on the spot yeah. and would be thrown out of racing instantly now the new shepherd wednesday manager darren more 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 has been speaking to the media for the first time following his unveiling. He was asked by Talk Sports James Vendron what excites him about this challenge.
0: Here's
3: Darren Moore, though. And there's Johnson. now. was he first. It's Moore. It's in. Darren
0: Moore. The challenge that lies ahead, really. Joining this wonderful club, I think those are things that you challenge yourself within, really, and that I think that was the 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 two probably underlying uh, points really that I would want to draw on really when I think about you know when I heard the the opportunity for me to come here. We know
4: there's such a, a dearth really of black managers in English football. How significant do you think it is that you've got a role at? What is arguably one of the biggest clubs in the country?
0: Excellent and, and wonderful. Just for me, continue to work hard and, and, and continue if that shines a light and a beacon to black coaches, to ethnic and minority communities, and right the way through the, the board, young British coaches. If it goes right across it because I'm somebody that they look and, and recognise and can associate to, then happy days. You know, I'm really, I'm really happy to be a beacon for us all for me on a, a personal I'll continue to work hard and try to get better need to get better when that's happening I'm implementing that on the team on the pitch and, and certainly carrying it uh, in and around the support staff here at the football club
2: Now the Wolves manager Nuno Espirito Santo has been speaking to the media ahead of their game with Man City tonight in the Premier League Did he speak about the game? Sort of This is his answer to the burning question why does Adame Traore use baby oil on his arms? And, of course, we all know the answer to that. It's to make his arms look bigger. That's why I use baby oil on my... Anyway.
0: becomes more slippery, so he gets more advantage of his speed and talent. I, I thought, to, honestly, it was a fantastic idea by, by the medical department who suggested that. It came from the injury that he had in the shoulder that was caused basically because of holding of his arm and creating this, this strong impact on his shoulder. So he got injured from that, and that was an option to, to avoid it. And from there on, he, he keep on doing it.
2: That's it. Thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcast from. I'm back on Andy Goldstein by Monday, Thursday, tonight from 10pm because, of course, it's one of those days, Tuesday. We'll be taking your calls on the back of Man City losing controversially by a goal to nil against Wolves. The controversy, of course, come in as the ball hit try arm caused baby lotion to splash into the eyes of Edison, rendering him useless to stop the ball creeping over the line. Anyway, that's how I see it happening tonight. There will, of course, be another one of these Andy Goldstein TalkSport daily podcasts out first thing in the morning, so do what you've got to do to get it. Until then, thanks for listening. Be safe, everyone. Be safe.
0: That was a podcast from TalkSport.